Welcome to the Crimson Guitars Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Crimson Guitars Podcast. I think this is podcast number 50, if I'm not mistaken. I'm James. And I'm Christopher. And Toby's not here. He's decided to take a holiday and... We had, we were planning two in hand each time, mm-hmm. but then I was away and now he's away and hasn't really worked. Lazy. Uh, it's just laziness all around, I say. It is. It is. Right, so this one we are going to, we get to chat a little bit mm-hmm. and we're going to answer some questions um, and some answers. Yes. Um, and we're going to just kind of combine them and this will cover the Q&A and the podcast this week mm-hmm. uh, just because... Well, the media department are feeling lazy, but, <laughs> so it's all their fault. <laughs> right, so um, first I think we'll just start with a chat. I think, think so, so in terms of the series that's been going on, we've been chatting about different models mm-hmm. and also kind of different companies, um, but the one thing we haven't chatted about during them is the idea of kind of the custom shop and the master builds and uh, like private stock, like their kind of but the custom stuff that companies do. Yeah. Because um, obviously we've been through the standards of stuff and and what you can do and what people have done. Um, I think we probably touched on it in the PRS, the custom type four one. Yeah, we did, um, but not properly. So I mean, the, so the idea of I guess custom shop as a whole started with Fender. I mean, there were other custom shops before, but the way it's done now is. Is Fender did it. Yeah, uh, a, a distinct and separate line of very high quality instruments. Yeah, separate factory basically, or separate mm-hmm. depart, completely separate department where they're doing their own thing. There's a bunch of what the well, what they call them now master builders, mm-hmm. and they now have a kind of separate like custom shop is like a, like a team built type thing, and the master built is the you pick a luthier and he kind of goes through and except I think. They halted a lot of orders for them because I think is it John John Cruz who's got something crazy like a five year waiting list. Yeah, it's, it's insane how how in demand those are. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they kind of that was started in it's the eighties. Early eighties. I think so. Um, someone's going to say below, and you should have done your research, like as they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and it kind of tick off because they've just re-released or re-released they've just got all the original well all the original master builders that are still around mm-hmm. from the original group to um, uh, make a build each yeah. they're all cool aren't they yeah uh, they do that for the big shows don't they? Na- they do yeah for Nam and they've been kind of showing them around mm-hmm. it's um, yeah it's cool and I think I don't think any I could be wrong I think one or two of them are still there the rest have gone off and started their own companies and um, yeah it's interesting what they come up with and there's a really cool documentary about it mm-hmm. that they've released and how it's, you kind of you watch that documentary and you think it's a lot like Crimson when they started <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's a lot of messing around <laughs> um, yeah just a little, it's a very kind of very friendly young, and, yeah it's just like it's just a very kind of competitive in a certain way environment but also everyone's having a good time and it's just it looks like a really yeah. enjoyable shop to be a part of yeah it's great it's a great idea and the way they kind of push it through and mm-hmm. then other companies took it on 
Um, yeah, everyone's always good. they've got their own versions. Everyone, everyone does. Yeah, like I mean, so like Jackson, well Jackson, but uh, Ibanez do it. And, mm-hmm. uh, Gibson have Gibson have less of a separate department. More of a it's more of a range with Gibson. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then I guess I guess then PRS, which we touched on, which was they have theirs is called private stock. Mm-hmm. Which is um, because PRS the company's more to do with woods. Theirs is the private stock is a, a room of woods that is then chosen. And they go to select luthiers, uh, select builders, but they are um, far more. It's far more to do with the woods rather than the person you're choosing. Fender yeah. is very much you're choosing like John Cruise to build your guitar because he builds for those Clapton and whoever else he builds for, um, and they all have. Fender, they all have their particular styles, but PRS is very. You pick out words and mm-hmm. you go with that. Yeah, it seems like from what I've from the kind of tours I've seen of the PRS um, private stock building area is the um, is a, each individual has a lot more of a speciality. So you've got kind of the guy that does a lot of the finishing, a guy that does a lot of the actual building and stuff like that. Is yes, it's a factory thing, and Fender's a lot more single builder has a speciality within building yeah uh, so there's a chap that does lots of inlays and um, lots of kind of silver work mm-hmm. and crystal and of course they're quite famous for their uh, relicking yeah once yes they are I mean they did um, oh, I can't mention that one <laughs> um, yeah I've done some cool Steve Ray Vaughan ones and mm-hmm. things like that and it kind of moved on but yes yeah, it's, it's a cool concept and obviously we've as a company, we take that on and we do our custom shop, which is a team built stuff, and then mm-hmm. we do a master build, which is a single build. Yeah, how do we? Um, how exactly do we separate those two things? So the the custom shops are customized versions of our own models. Mm-hmm. So we've got our descendant, our PAF, um, on the hollow, and they will be their kind of parts in C made, although we're still majorly handmade and everything. Yeah. Um, but they're highly customized versions of that. As long as it sticks the basis around our original model, yeah, we can do most things: different pickups, different uh, finishes, different woods, anything like that. And then the master builds are kind of obviously you can do a master build on our own model. Mm-hmm. Uh, diff- the main difference is that they are hand built, start to finish by one luthier, yeah. uh, like you or Tom or Ben, um, and they are like, totally handmade. You may use a CNC for some templates, but actually usually handmade templates and yeah i know most of the time i'm i come up with the shape i draw it in and then i'll just, yeah. I'll just make my own template it's just it's not really worth the time of trying to put it into the cnc and yes, drawing, drawing it into a computer yeah. program and then making the template whereas i can people I, always question um that why can't we just have that shape done on the cnc well actually by the time we've drawn it mm-hmm. we spent more time and more money than yeah. if we just hand built it unless we're just unless we're making a lot of them yes yeah it's not worth it exactly yeah. But yeah, the master builds are hand built, start to finish by one luthier, and they are like, whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, what are uh, three rules? The three rules, don't we? Um, yeah, I'm gonna misquote this because I I change the rules in my head a little bit. <laughs> which are the three rules that I think fit are um, as long as it sounds nice, mm-hmm. plays well, mm-hmm. and is aesthetically pleasing to the customer. Yeah, the customer. <laughs> the key key element there <laughs> uh, then we obviously like um, 
we where it comes to Marsville, we usually grab someone. We we will always try and get them here, mm-hmm. um, or at least a phone conversation, yeah, or, or video, video chat. And it's really good if we can get them here and we can sit down, we can draw stuff with them. We've done that quite a few times. Mm, we pick out the exact woods we're going to use, yeah, um, and we can just discuss the exact details yeah, of the build. We'll, which we'll is have really a spec nice. sheet. We'll fill that all in. We'll we'll sometimes film parts of it so we know what's going on, and um, and we'll draw. We'll have. A bench of white paper, and we'll draw the whole guitar out where mm-hmm. everything's going, and everything's kind of set in. Well, then you kind of go away, you think about it, we'll send a spec sheet out to you, mm-hmm. and you refine like, the design, send out some drawings, yeah, all that stuff. And, and then it's... you can kind of be like, mm, actually, <laughs> I fancy this instead. And, and kind of once we lock in the specs, I'm sure most people understand. Once we lock in the specs and we start the build, you like changing most things. I mean, if you change the pickup make, that's not an issue, mm-hmm. so long as we haven't already got them in yeah um but yeah people like oh well uh, i'll get i'll just put p90s in and oh the oh they bought their surface mount it's like uh, well that doesn't really yes. work yes. <laughs> it's not the exact same shape and there's a little bit of uh there's going to be a little bit of gap in a certain place if you try and do that kind of thing and it's yeah. just there's all sorts of elements of, of that we've dealt with in the past but uh, i think most people now seem to understand it's yeah and it is it's um there's a that means a few up here. I don't, I've seen the camera can catch the 12 hour. I feel that's a perfect idea of kind of must built. It's a yeah. custom shape. Yeah, one off. There's not another one exactly like it in the world. Yeah, they, they are. Well, so obviously, we have people request guitars we've already built. Mm-hmm. And we'll always say, like, we can build one similar, but, like, obviously, they tend to be one off. And they're never going to be the same anyway. The yeah. wood's never going to be the same. The finish isn't. But, um,. Yes, I'm guessing that's the funnest part for you. At least, actually, the funnest part for you is designing a guitar. That what? So it's it's always fun having a customer involved, in mm-hmm. doing it. but without a customer, where you've got free reign. See, we're doing so for the weekend workshop, mm-hmm. um, the live event we're doing in September. I've got each each luthier, including actually Sam, who's building one, um, to build to design and build building. And as long as we've got the stuff in stock, yeah. Um, actually, even then, we're kind of all doing some hardware for them. Um, but we've got tons of nice wood, so. But they've got free reign to whatever they build, and they'll be here. I'm guessing for you, that's fun. Yes. Yeah. Um, just not having any constraints. Well, not having any. Um, you can't use Brazilian rosewood. Yeah, I, not having um, kind of a set, uh, overbearing guide to what i need to have done uh, it's I nice did, i did i did have one rule which was it could be too crazy <laughs> yes i did um, want anything shaped like a star <laughs> or a strawberry for instance or, or a strawberry <laughs> which will be like here, here. i know <laughs> for the podcast you won't be able to see it mm-hmm. but we'll just just click on the video and... <laughs> it's, it's worth it's worth it it's worth a trip yeah. to the computer but um, yeah, no, the, uh, it's it's a really enjoyable experience. So you just uh, seeing it all come together, looking at it, and just you know, uh, I'll put it on my bench. I'll take a few steps back. I'll look at it. I'll put it on someone else's bench in a slightly different light. I'll come around. And just, and just you look at it from a bunch of different angles, and you say that's the right shape. Or oh yeah, actually, I need to take a little more material off there. And that's is this what you've been wasting your time perfect. on? <laughs> <laughs> you sent me like six photos. <laughs> Does look good. It is good. It's gonna be fun, and that weekend's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. We've got um, well, I know Phil, Phil, Toby, and and Jim. I think will be here, and I think the, me and the three of them will do 
one of the le- kind of lectures or one of the shorter lectures will be with them mm-hmm. chatting about each of their models and like what gear, gear they use and the night before they've got a gig in Wimborne at uh, Tivoli Theatre I think mm-hmm. um, which I think I hope I think well I'm going I think yeah. quite a few of us will go um, and we're playing some stuff with Phil and hopefully we'll hopefully this isn't confirmed but we'll have some for all the people that have currently bought uh, tickets to the weekend workshop and obviously all the people that will buy will have a, a discount code so on the Friday night there's going to be kind of local gig that you can go to nice and it is a great show that's a fantastic show we we saw it oh, probably dead on a year ago because we saw it at Tivoli mm-hmm. um, and that was that was fantastic I'm yeah. excited to see this one because it's got it's got a Prince song in it now yeah they've, they've changed it up a little bit and yeah. they've got some more but they've got better different staging mm-hmm. uh, a new bass player Unfortunately, he's awful. Um, <laughs> that was that was a joke. But um, uh, yeah, yeah he, he Jim is really good at bass. I, when he just he, he was showing me your bass and he? <laughs> he's like, oh, and it just it does this and it's really cool. And then he just he just busted out this this slap yeah, bass he, he solo all of a sudden. And, and his was, knowledge on bass, his knowledge on basses is insane. Yeah, encyclopedic. I think would be an appropriate term for that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. And hopefully. Because he has been ringing me pretty much every day. Uh, we w- will have a crimson bass for him to play. Yeah. Hopefully. Sam's working on it now. Next on and hopefully. Yeah. I don't want to promise anything. <laughs> could burst into flames at the last minute. <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So with, um, we'll move on to some questions. Yeah. And Absolutely. try and answer those. Cool. Uh, we've got first one here from Lou Lamano. Uh, since a bone nut only makes open strings sound good, has anyone ever made bone frets? What would that be like? Yeah, yeah, I've seen bone frets on an instrument. Um, Parsons guitars. Parsons uh, did it. Mhm. Um, it might have been done by other people, but I've, the only one I've seen has been Parsons. It was, um, if I'm not mistaken, it was a guitar for Jimmy Page. Um, yes. Okay, I know one. I've uh, never. I've never. I don't think I've ever worked on one. No, there, it's rare because it is a an insane amount of work yeah they molded or are they actual but are they like no, new it's, bone or are they yeah no it's, it's bone cut and carved into fret shapes I don't think I think they're done more like a Parker fly they're glued onto the surface not uh, you don't make a tang or anything but uh, that is an insane amount of work it did sound it sounded interesting every fret was uh, it sounded very similar all the length of it obviously there's the character of the guitar to take into consideration but there was kind of a warmth to it that for other frets yeah the, the other thing about uh, like a bone nut sounding really really good open strings mm-hmm. is that your fingers are nowhere near it yeah like a lot of the time although you're cutting the string off there you're still muting part of the vibration and each time that you're playing that string you're shortening the scale so you are shortening the, the, the vibration waves there, yeah making them smaller um so it's always going to sound better open and yeah. actually i suppose actually they'd wear quickly wouldn't they they would yeah um i think it was more of a novelty than anything else but it was it I was a cool if you've one. got like fueled by billy gibbons it's got a really soft touch and it's yeah. like sevens or eights <laughs> then you're kind of sorted mm-hmm. and that will, that will work for a while yeah um i can imagine it'll wear quickly yeah cool uh, so we've got a question from bizman 62 um, in the last podcast, Toby, 60 minutes in, Toby says something about losing some of the pickup signal 
the chain of 15 pedals. Uh, which parts of the signal get lost? The attack, certain frequency, clarity, or is it something else? Also, how much would the loss be per pedal? That's quite a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, what can be done to minimize the negative effects? Um, it's uh, so you think you are if you run to a pedal board just to forget the pedals at the moment you run to the pedal board and back and shape say you are only using 10 for each side but you're probably not you're probably using 20 for each side it's 40 for a cable um, it's a lot of capacitance that's a lot like a lot you're losing um, ale- well allegedly a panels over 18 foot of cable the accumulate can hear signal loss okay so that's then over double that and you're forgetting then we're bringing the pedals at what it was a 15 which is a lot to have in a row this is why people use switches and loop switches so they take them out um and people won't be able to see this but i'm wiggling my fingers with they? <laughs> um really? is that you are each pedal is a considerable amount once on or even off. Even if they're true bypass, you're still going through each bit, and that's another probably 20 feet. Yeah. Um, so what you're losing is actually you're losing stuff reasonably. Someone's going to argue with me on this. Reasonably equally. You're losing signal. Mm-hmm. Right? But what the human ear hears is high end, because the high end is the easiest to hear. You actually find that it will be duller, um, so he asked about certain frequencies. What you'll hear is you'll hear high end, you know, um, high frequencies going, and yet clarity, you, you will lose tons of clarity. Yeah. Um, but lot, you'll hear lots of high end loss. Uh, and this is where buffers come in. And this is where, like, I said, boss pedals, who have a buffered output, mm-hmm. and wires that do, but the, the original wire buffer isn't great on them, but people always go for true bypass. Um, or hardwire bypass or different ways of saying it it's not good it is good for certain pedals if you have a fuzz pedal you'll want that first and get away from any buffers that's why people put it before the wire Um, and certain pedals but really you'll probably want so a buffer usually does it buffers the sound it pushes it through and kind of like you can adjust boosts on them and it'll bring the high end and the clarity back. Um, there is a kind of say that you kind of want one at the start and one at the end. Uh, one at the end in theory is it's good enough it should bring back what you've lost. Um, but then you'll probably want something to push it through. Um, it's a, I think, I think I'll do a pedal one. We'll do a pedal one at some point mm-hmm. and we'll go a bit more into depth about this. Um, a little bit concerned about doing it because there's a fantastic YouTube channel called That Pedal Show. It's good. Um, it's really important. Which is probably my favourite YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have like 45 minute hour long videos. You watch all the way through. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it's... If you're running if you're running that many pedals, I would get a looper. Because you you're quartering, halving what you're running through then you'll find your sound will improve because you're not having those 15 pedals on at once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you lose, lose signal all the way through. It's from the point that you leave the... Well, I mean, actually, from the point that you leave the pickups, you're losing signal. Um, hence the uh, Esquire wiring. Hence the Esquire wiring, which you can hear quite considerably. Mm-hmm. And you'll if you run... Um, if you have some kind of AB switch or something, you can test this yeah. and put like like a 40-foot cable against a 10-foot cable and you can hear the difference massively. 
and you, you'll know the difference when you plug straight into your amp. Like, oh, that's really, there's tons of clarity there, there's tons of high end, and you plug into your pedals, oh, that's a bit dull. Mm-hmm. Uh, buffers can bring that back. You to be careful where you put them. They will. They are going to affect every lots of different pedals in different ways. Yeah. Um, but I would never, for people that don't buy a pedal because it's a buffered output, you need those buffered outputs, especially as you get to the end of your signal, like delays and reverb. Um, having buffered outputs is is a good way of doing it. But yeah. Nice. Uh, so yeah, next questions. Next question from David Kramer. Um, a while back, I bought a Tele knockoff pretty cheap from a pawn shop. Thinking it would be fun to upgrade and work on. Everything went pretty well, except I bought a new bridge because I routed for a humbucker in the bridge without really knowing what I was doing. I put the bridge in pretty much the only possible place due to needing to cover the old pickup route and the holes for the string through, and now my bridge is too far back. What can I do? Um, can I just get longer screws for my saddles to bring them closer to the nut? Um, there is a lot of space for saddles to come forward if that will work. Um, yeah, you know, if that will get the intonation point where it needs to be, that's an acceptable solution. Um, the other thing to do is, um, you know, uh, you can fill the area if it, depending on... Yeah, the only, apart from the longer screws, Mm -hmm. the only way of doing it is filling the holes and, and moving it back. And if you, I'm guessing not i don't know but he's if he's right to the humbucker you might have one of those the tele bridges with the surround attached mm-hmm. i would um if not but if he does i would get a separate surround for the humbucker and then deal with the bridge separately because you'll be able to move that back and forwards without needing to cover the valve yeah um depends what the valve was there before yeah exactly if um, it's it's a telly and it's got that like, pop out the side. You could just make a custom pick or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you could make a custom pick off the whole thing to cover up and then move the bridge wherever you want. Yeah. Uh, string foos is an issue. And mm-hmm. um, probably better fitting the tops, re-drilling at an angle. Yeah. And then it could be tricky, but it's yeah. It will hope that the string comes through. Uh, cool. Uh, so next question is from uh, Jonathan Oakey, who's one of our previous students. Mm-hmm. Uh, he recently bought some wood for build from specialist luthiers, specialist suppliers in Germany. Uh, but pair, prepare the body and neck blanks. Oh, he says, well, I've seen that it's but be prepared, the body and neck blanks are awfully expensive. And if I build more guitars, I need to find more reasonably priced woods. Where do you buy your wood supplies from? Um, it's, it's a difficult one because as soon as you buy specialist woods, or as soon as you buy wood that is labelled as guitar wood, mm-hmm. it's going to be expensive. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Um, and unless you have the milling capabilities in order to take down a massive chunk of wood. Yeah. The only way you can buy it cheaper is uncut, mm-hmm. uh, which is how we buy a lot of the wood. Uh, anything actually, this is the thing, is anything specialist we need that is only used by guitar makers... So there are some woods that are rarely used by other people and are hard to get, then we, we have to go to the specialist suppliers mm-hmm. and well, we have to pay for the cost. Yeah. Um, without buying it in larger bulk and mini it down yourself and drying it yourself, which is the important part, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's hard, it's hard. Because you, you're buying dried season wood. Yeah. It's it, expensive. To, to be honest, I would say that it's not an unreasonable cost no. for... The prepared wood no once not. you do it yourself you realize how much time and effort it takes if you're not making quite a few guitars every month yeah. then 
honestly, it's just it's, yeah, it's so easier like, and better to just fork out the money. Unfortunately, that flame maple, that car flame maple, talking, it's going to cost you north a hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. It's without buying, like we we buy some big kind of. Um, we basically bought a whole tree, yeah, <laughs> and it was milled down by a local mill, and and we still had big slabs because you don't know what you're going to get as well then. Yeah. Um, it's a few times we opened up a piece and it had a massive void inside of it or something it's like oh well yes. that's just an unusable chunk and that's just kind of what you have to deal with when you yeah. get large pieces of wood yeah exactly so I mean there isn't there isn't one place that we go to to get it we, we buy a lot of unsawn stuff mm-hmm. um, a lot of locals too yes. um, call us up and say oh I've got a you know walnut tree or a sycamore tree is it something yeah. you're interested in and then we once that's cut down we've got a, it's just tons of dry it sits drying for years or yeah there's a whole big room out back just full yeah. of chunks like that for air drying and then it goes into a a smaller room for proper drying mm-hmm. which it sits in for three months or so before we use it yeah. so yeah it's kind of a long process so the next one is from uh, Jacob the Llama 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 why is there two L's I, I thought it was going to be Llama and then it wasn't unless it's just Jacob Thelmer and that's his last name. Could be. I think we're, we're looking for words where none exist here. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, simple question. Uh, where, when are we going to see a Crimson Acoustic build? Yes, Chris. <laughs> next week. Next, yeah, sure. Sorry, next, next week. week? Yeah, yeah. Next week. No. Yeah. Okay, cool. No, um, uh, there will be one. Yeah, we've got wood prepared for one. Wood prepared for my one. Mm-hmm. Um, this could be an after work thing. Yeah. Um, the Crimson After Hours special. My name was stolen. Bastards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there will be one. It's mm-hmm. just we've got to build jigs and stuff, uh, which I guess is part of a filming thing. It's just a, it's quite a long process of planning and yeah, before building your so. first one and to build it in any, a, a, a decent first one and build it in any good time and we need to just do a bit of planning yeah and it's with all the filming that's going on at the moment finding time for kind of unless we want a media intern <laughs> do something we've never had before then um, if you're doing an internship and you fancy doing loads of filming in a cool workplace contact guild at crimsonguitars.com and ask them and now that's what you want um Cool, so Stephen Turner mm-hmm. asks, please, what's your opinion of the construction of Brian May's guitar? Um, in theory, poorly. Well, <laughs> um, I mean, it was done, it's what, a fireplace with him and his dad, and it's basically hollow all the way through. Mm-hmm. It's constructed, I believe, like a hollow body or an acoustic, so it's got top, back, sides. Yeah. Um, it's a hollow all the way through. And a solid neck with a U-bar down it, I think. Something like that. It's um, uh, kind of a convoluted build, isn't it? I mean, like, you've got a very strange trim setup and all that kind of stuff. It's all homemade. Yeah. Uh, it's impressive first guitar. Yeah. Far really better is. than my first guitar. And the <laughs> fact that, from what I know, it's still used. Yeah. And uh, allegedly has never been refretted, which just goes to show more of his technique than anything else. Never refretted. I know. If, I heard that and it blew my mind. Um... The construction's quite cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it's a first, in theory, a first build is impressive. Um, yeah, the big neck, isn't it, apparently? Mm-hmm. Massive neck. Um, yes, the 
cool build. Quite like coins, so. Yeah, and if it, if it, obviously it works, <laughs> it's been a successful instrument. So you know, there's yeah, nothing you can really say against yeah. it. Uh, cool. So there's a question from Lemons and Salt. You sounds a bit sour. It does. That was poor. I know. Um, I was making a weird face, but you didn't say. <laughs> um, I have a question that I've been dying to ask. Are the tattoos on Ben's head real, or are they viral stickers he pulls off every evening and hangs on the bathroom mirror like false eyelashes? <laughs> Genuinely curious, thanks. I'm not sure if I've asked this, answered this question before. I, I'm just curious who told. I know. I, I didn't think the sticker thing would get out, but uh, apparently... That's right. yeah. I made a joke at a show, so maybe it's that. Oh, it could be, yeah. We've just, um, we've just gone and spoiled it then. <laughs> no, this is really awkward. Um, we've actually got part of his head in mm-hmm. here. It's just this is the first layer that goes on, and it's layered <laughs> over the top of that, mm-hmm. and then the makeup's put in. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of it's um, done in post too. It's uh, yeah, yeah. A lot <laughs> of it's done by the media department. They're very good. Yeah, would never think. It's... Um, I know for the, for the podcast people that can't see that, I just had a bald cap. <laughs> uh, the, um, the official bald cap. The yes, the official bald cap, which one day we'll start selling. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's totally fake. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. Media Ben's department. barely real, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's mostly just a put-together thing that the media department He's did. actually a middle-aged woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Surprisingly enough. it's <laughs> That's how good our media department is. Good I job. Know. Good job, They're guys. fantastic. Mm-hmm. They're great. There's two of them, and they're amazing. Yes. Especially all the post stuff they do. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is why I look so handsome. <laughs> it's just all they're doing. So yeah, someone's going to take that really badly. Um, cool. Moving on. Yes, a uh, question from Sam. Rare to find a name so short on YouTube. Uh, he must have got in early. Um, have you, have either of you ever worked with ambrosia maple or something that has a large number of semi-predictable wormholes? Um, he's starting a telly neck build with, uh, sorry, a telly build with a thick, carvable, one-piece ambrosia maple top. And he was wondering um, if we think it's too risky to carve. Um, all the holes are fairly ver- uh, vertical, and I'm joining the top in such a position where they, the holes aren't too close to the carved areas, but he's still worried. Um, it's one of those things, uh, wormholes... Right, yeah, ambrosia isn't done by wormholes. But... Certain ones are. There's an ambrosia beetle. Uh, which... Yes, yeah, that makes actual ambrosia. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, um... It's, uh... You have to do lots of filling it once you come to. Yeah, and it, it obviously it's it's a creature eating a hole, so it's not guaranteed to be straight. No. Usually they're a fairly consistent like, curve, but yeah, they're um, like um, sometimes and hopefully in your case they're like someone's gone with a drill, yeah, very clean holes. Yeah, um, but it's <laughs> and we use ambrosia maple here. Yeah, uh, we tend to be careful with what we pick out. Um, I can't think we've. We have done calf tops on Ambrosia, actually. Yeah. But Ambrosia, no work, no woodworm holes in it. Um, yeah. Typically, um, I'll just I'll get a toothpick and I'll stick it in the holes and I'll see where it ends up. Um, sometimes you can it only goes down a little bit and that's either it's turning or it's um, that's that's yeah. as deep as the hole goes. Because sometimes they'll go through, they'll stop and either you know they'll they'll die yeah. or they'll, they'll the, just the go issue away. with um, woodworm holes is because they are a perfect circle fitting them can become obvious. Yeah, the human eye spots perfect shapes like yeah, that so really you, easily. you are better kind of making it, um, if it's ambrosia, mm-hmm. making it slightly longer and kind of more like rip out shape. Yeah. And fitting out of it like slightly darker and make it... Look like, like a knot or something as opposed yeah, to a hole. Yeah, 
don't try and think that you can hide it because the chances is you won't be able to mm-hmm. unless you find a perfect grained piece of wood that you can slide in but then it's tiny yeah um yeah it's, you're better making it obvious and making it into something mm-hmm. uh, if there's a lot then maybe you should find another piece of wood or intricate inlays down the body yes like folding leaves mm-hmm. um cool excellent uh, question here from Matt Mincer. Um, I was always told that poly is difficult to repair. Is that the case, or has the technology gotten better? Um, I also remember from my furniture building days, the wood doesn't age or darken under poly. Uh, that's great if if that's what you're looking for, though. Um, um, it's not... It doesn't age as quickly. No, but it's not UV. Like, no. Specifically. I can't think of that. <laughs> um, it's I, not like makeup or... Yeah, I think a lot of the cases, a lot of where that's come from is the fact that it's applied so thick in so many yeah. cases. Um, the thicker a material is, the more light it's going to block out. Um, so the less it's going to change underneath. But um, a well-applied poly will still age. Um, it's a little more difficult to repair. Well, I should... I should like, say lacquer, nitrocellulose lacquer is easier to repair as it melts together a lot more easily. Yeah. I like how the technology. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Uh, so it's now those with our iPhones. Yes. <laughs> the technology has improved. There's an app called Finisher and it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, amazing. Yeah. Um, no, but it's, uh, it's, still, it's still doable. Um, a little bit. If it's a small chip, you can always do a little bit of uh, super glue. You know, you might have a slight difference in kind of uh, sheen across the very top of the surface, but for the most part, for most angles, it's going to look fine. Yeah. Um, you know, there's also the classic uh, nail varnish, if it's a particular. Yeah, color. Nail varnish is great for color. Mm-hmm. I've done that. Because um, you can get any color in nail yeah, varnish. Yeah, and, and you can get it in sparkle mm-hmm. as well, which is, um, and sparkle is hard to do, but you can get lucky and you can, you can, yeah, as you said, nail varnish comes in any colour ever. It does yeah. it weird when we buy it though. <laughs> <laughs> My girlfriend, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, next question from Bisman62. Did he already have a question? I think he already might have asked his question. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it's many thanks, questions. Thanks for all the questions. Um, not too long ago, I had a conversation about the zero fret and to be more precise about the height of it. For what I've seen advertised, a zero fret is slightly higher than the rest. Mm-hmm. However, my friend said it can be as low as the rest without issues. His argument was based on the fact that a fingered or capoed fret also has the strings lying flat tight on the next fret. That sounds logical, yet I keep wondering, after all, shouldn't nut slots also be cut a little above the fret level? Um, in theory, yes. If you've got a perfect level and the truss rod is doing its job perfectly, mm-hmm. uh, um, a tiny bit of relief all the way down. Yeah. Also, typically, that little bit of relief, most often it's because people tend to hit the open chords um, a lot harder than they would normal chords or just uh, well, you know, individual yeah, notes. Yeah, dulling it. There's no movement. Yeah. Um, so, you know, a part of that is down to the, the player and a part of that is down to uh, how, you know, how much leeway you want to give that area. The um, I know personally when I put a zero fret in, I'll, I'll put the same type of fret in as I'm doing everything else, but I'll leave it out of the guitar until I've leveled everything else. Then I'll put it in. Yeah, and that lets me. I just level the rest of them. And then yeah, and then when I put that fret in, it's usually close, but then I can cut it down with nut files until it's exactly the right height above. Yeah. So that's personally how I do it, and it, it's always worked really well for me. Yeah. Like okay, last question, just an odd one, just from Mark O'Neill. It's a non-guitar, non-guitar question. What are the others' most annoying habits in the shop? He's hoping for something juicy, but uh, juicier than he's a perfectionist. 
I don't know. I don't think anyone has any annoying habits. Wish thing. <laughs> but then I wish as well, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I don't know. Sam's Northern. <laughs> and celiacs. Fish. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I can't. I'm not down in the shop, so I don't really know. Yeah. Um, Tom's quiet but explosive swearing. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Just out of nowhere. Um, Christopher's and, very good at everything. I try. <laughs> yeah, which is true. Um, Ben's constant need to put cameras in people's faces and, t- and tickle them, tickle them with the microphone things. Oh, what's it called? Merka? M- is it called a Merka? I don't know. He keeps. That's what he says. Merkel. Merkin. 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 Yeah. Uh, some people have some strange taste in music about, but you know, it's to be expected in a shop like this. I think that's yours, isn't it? Mostly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear anyone else's music apart from yours. It's me and Josh, I think, are the outliers. Yeah, it's closest to the. Uh, sound playing devices <laughs> yeah I don't know I imagine most people say I'm incredibly handsome and that's annoying that's how can we ever live up to it I know it's hard hard chiseled face and, <laughs> and a black. that was a terrible accident when you did that <laughs> <laughs> that was good thank you <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. No. cool yeah. I think I think we're done then. yeah we're done um Hope you enjoyed that. I mean, it was missing Toby, and he's the life and soul of the Q- of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it means that, that guys don't have to work so hard on making his head less shiny. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing how much hair they digitally remove and post too. I, I mean, know it, it's odd because he's very patchy hair. You see <laughs> as well. Like he's not like bald bald. Mm-hmm. He's just like patchy. Yeah. Um, and they just remove a lot of it because he prefers it mm-hmm. and then they put a little sheen on it to make it look real yeah. but I think it's too shiny masterfully done it is very it can be very done, well done yeah. um, and actually this this tash mm-hmm. isn't real yeah. I feel this has gone too far and people are getting annoyed <laughs> with this thing um, cool this has been the Q&A no this has been the Crimson Podcast yes and kind of Q&A yeah um, combined for this week for yeah. lack of uh, lack of Toby. Toby I think next week we'll be back with I think we're doing a Music Man yes, one. Yes, that should Toby. be good. That should be fun. We've been asked to do a few others. Basically, the, we're doing stuff that of guitars that we have or can get hold of. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, Toby's got quite a few. Phil's got quite a few. Mm-hmm. So we can do some different ones. Uh, people have asked us about others. Um, we're doing the main load first. Uh, we might carry on and do some others. I think the idea is that maybe we, we merge a little bit of the Q&A into it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah and obviously then we'll do our live Q&A at um, the weekend workshop I think it's the 16th of September see if I remember um, it's a very fun day and we yeah. also which is will be news to Christopher um, and I'll just kind of put it out there now is that we in October first week of October Absolute Music having a guitar week I think on the Wednesday in the first week I don't know the date I think it's the 4th I'm not sure um, we haven't properly chatted about it yet but we should be doing some kind of um, uh, seminar type thing? yeah okay. like a chat and like kind of like a mini launch although we've been there for quite a while it'll be like a mini launch of stuff and have, hopefully Phil and Toby down and 
us guys will chat and nice blurt words out. <laughs> demonstrations or just talking? I think just talking. Okay. Demonstrations might be. We can do some small ones, but similar to what we're doing here on the Saturday. Nice. But a lot shorter, a lot more compact, and cool. More of I guess a live Q and A. Um, should be fun. I'm going there on Monday to chat to them about it. Nice. But yeah. So um, hopefully we might do a few of those in the future. Yeah. But thanks for listening slash watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, please like and comment and ask loads of questions. Um, I think you can get us get the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and SoundCloud. Oh, on, on our website apparently as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm being told in my ear. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that's everything. Yeah. And check us out on YouTube and please, you know, carry on watching. Yes. Uh, I've been James. I've been Christopher. And uh, this has been the Crimson Podcast. Thank Thanks. You.